Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. On this show, we discuss and bring attention to a wide range of safety and security products and solutions that are available to both businesses and individuals in the digital world and the physical world. I am your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan. As a self-employed information technology consultant since 1995 and as a martial artist for over 25 years, I bring decades of both online and offline experience in the safety and security arena to this show as my role as a host. You can always learn more about me at my personal website, PeteCanavan.com. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast and help uh, and our YouTube channel uh, at safetytalkvideos.com forwards right to the YouTube channel. We appreciate, of course, you guys helping us spread the word about Safety Talk, about our great guests and the products and solutions that they provide to keep all of us safer and more secure in what is an increasingly dangerous world. So thanks to all our listeners for being here. It's been a wild last few months. Um, I've actually taken a little bit of a brief hiatus from the show to you know, for a few months as I've watched kind of in horror and disbelief and uh, absorbing and dealing with and, and pondering how the uh, United States and, and the rest of the world has been dealing with the, the COVID crisis and how the world is really changing very, very rapidly around us and, uh, and unfortunately more negatively than I had ever even thought possible. So I, I do try to keep politics off the show, but I must comment and reflect on the state of the United States right now because it really directly affects the safety and security of our citizens, uh, of our country. And, you know, that's what this show Safety Talk is all about. It's about your safety. It's about your security. Uh, and both are being threatened in a very real way right now. Um, there is a crisis, and it definitely is a most, uh, most definitely a crisis at the southern border of the United States right now. Uh, and it's going to have and it's going to continue to have a direct impact on your safety and your security in the future. Uh, letting in tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants uh, and undocumented people is, you know, without vetting them, without testing them, uh, without knowing who they are, uh, is insane. It's an insane policy of this uh, Biden administration, and it's going to change things in this country forever and not in a good way. Uh, I heard something the other day that at current levels, uh, we will be letting in the equivalent of the population of the entire city of Chicago each year into this country. That's no, not good policy. That's way too many people. We just can't sustain it. So uh, it's kind of a perfect segue into my introduction of tonight's guest. Uh, like me, he is also a martial artist. Uh, he's someone who is trained to protect others uh, and protect themselves from criminals and evildoers. And they are out there. He is the chief contributor to the Security Advisor blog, securityadvisor.net. Uh, it's, it's a blog that focuses on personal security issues, uh, situational awareness, self-defense, uh, community and home security, which is really a, a very appropriate topic for, for our show today. Uh, he entered into the security industry uh, way back in 2000, over 20 years ago. Uh, his focus has been on residential security, providing risk assessments and training to communities and also to security officers. So I couldn't think of a better topic or a better guest uh, than who we have on today. Uh, he's currently pursuing his goal of making this world a safer place one life at a time. Uh, in addition to his martial arts training, uh, that started way back at the ripe old age of nine, 
Uh, he also has experience in firearms, security management, and trauma counseling. Uh, this gentleman has also worked as a tactical officer and trainer and manager. So I think you will all agree he's a perfect guest for these troubling times. And so it is my pleasure to welcome Jason Mordecai from Johannesburg to Safety Talk. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, I know it's very, very early where you are. I appreciate yeah. you getting up early. <laughs> I'm, I'm an early bird and I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Yes, from South Africa. So we uh, we have had guests from from other parts of the world. Uh, this is the first one from uh, Johannesburg. So, uh, all right, you uh, you're the first there. Right. <laughs> now um, glad to be. Sure. Now, as you heard, there's sort of my my opening monologue that you know there are a lot of of concerns that uh, Americans and people all over the world, for that matter, have with regard to their personal safety. And as I was preparing for this show yesterday. I received the troubling news about the supermarket massacre that took place in Boulder, Colorado yesterday. Um, it was, it was definitely a massacre. I mean, I don't say active shooter or mass shooting. Cause I mean, the heck with those politically correct terms, you know, it, it was absolutely a massacre. You know, somebody goes in there and, and does that. And just now I was watching on the news that actually of the 10 people that were killed uh, the first, of course, was uh, the officer, the first officer that arrived on scene, unfortunately, was a relatively young man, 51-year-old officer, Eric Talley. Uh, he was a veteran of that force. But seven out of the 10 that were killed were children. And that I only just found out literally about half an hour before I started coming on the show tonight. And that, that pains me even more being the father of three. And every parent out there, you know, your heart, your, your breaks, your heart breaks for these people. And their families. Um, I hadn't really planned to start our interview off today, Jason, about this, but you know, it's so relevant. It's so recent. I, I just had to do that. And so I just mm -hmm. want to kind of get your immediate thoughts to that. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, look, uh, I hadn't heard the, I hadn't heard the news that, that seven kids were involved. And also again, as a father and from all South Africans, you know, I, I've, I've got to send my condolences out to, across the Atlantic to, to everyone on that side. Cause that's, that is just, mind-blowing news um uh, you know i can i can relate to uh, when, when i first heard the news i i relate to, to to that in terms of my life because every day i'm responsible for putting young men out on the street they put their body armor on they put their they take their firearm and uh, at the end of the day i deploy them and i put them in harm's way and uh, when i heard about that officer i i thought about my guys often they're working on their own as well. They're responding to alarms. They're responding to calls from the public. And, um, you know, I always say to the guys, most of the calls you're going to be, you're going to go to are, are going to be false alarms, but there's going to be that one. And uh, I, I just, I thought about that officer. And I, in, in my career, I've, I've buried six officers. And um, I just, I know how hard, for the leaders um, of, of, that, of that police team, uh, I, I know just how hard that is and how absolutely devastating devastating that, that can be. Um, I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled and, and um, fascinated. I've been, I've been following, and, and I actually, I think the word massacre is a much better word. Um, I've been following this phenomenon for, for years it's not something that we we have in South Africa. So, yes, we we are a, a very very violent society. You know, we have average of 50, 52 murders a day in South Africa. Um, 
home invasions are a common thing. We have one of the highest rates of, of, um, of gender violence in the world. Um, but uh, the, the phenomena of the, the active shooter is, is uh, not something that, that really happens in our space. We have had one or two incidents like that, but it just, it, 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 I'm curious to know what is happening in, in the society that's, that's kind of triggering that's, that's triggering these kind of attacks and um, what takes people to that edge. Because at the end of the day, this is, this is not a security issue. Uh, this is a societal issue. Right. Something's happening within American society that I believe requires some self-examination and self, uh, some, some understanding. And it's, it can't be glossed over with, with, um, with uh, you know, superficial discussions about gun control and, and things like that. Uh, Which is what is, they always jump to. I mean, it's always jumping to the gun control thing and, oh, there's too many guns. Well, you know what? The only people that are going to abide by the laws are the law-abiding citizens. The criminals are never going to abide by the laws. They're never going to go succumb to background checks. They're going to go get the guns on the black market. But I yep. think you're right. And it's interesting because you being not American, you can give us a really a different perspective as somebody who's in the security industry from another country that is looking in at us. And so I think this is, this is really fascinating because you're right. It is a societal problem. It's something that, you know, compounded by, of course, the lockdowns and COVID and the stresses of financial issues and the stresses of, you know, the emotional and the mental and, you know, all of the things that are affecting everybody around the world. But yes, there's something, something larger here. And, and I can't put my finger on it, but I know a lot of it has to do with the, the mental state of a lot of these people. And, and, and I, I think, you know, you know, if you're going to start with that, then you need to forget about black belts and forget about guns and forget about alarm systems and start talking about families because somewhere in, somebody in, in, in that family, something went wrong, you know, in my opinion. Uh, and, and, you guys have got a similar phenomena to us. We have we have huge amounts of young men that were that grew up fatherless, uh, high divorce, divorce rates, um, and and you, you you're looking at young men that never had a, a positive role model in terms of how do I resolve conflict, perhaps. Um, and and this is this is a worldwide phenomenon, you know, uh, which which I think is part of it, but really and truly. It, it's 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 a funny thing to be talking safety and security, and actually, what we should be talking is, uh, I think, I think it starts with family, you, you know. Uh, and I'm, I'm hazarding a guess here. I've 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 had um, the opportunity to to interview uh, a lot of people that have done a lot of violent things. You know, we've we've caught criminals over the years, and uh, I've I've chatted to these guys and. Where's your mom? Where's your dad? Where do you come from? I've I've not I've not had an opportunity to, to to talk to a person that's been involved with an incident like this. But what I have noticed is that a lot of these guys from come from broken homes. And the other thing that I see is that they have very very little value on their personal lives. Mm. And um, you know how how am I going to deal with that? I'm going to go out and, and have to deal with a person that that uh, has he, he's certainly not going to value my life because he's not he's 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 not even going to value his own life. And so many of these guys end up taking their own lives. So that kind of tells you something about about where they are, you know. Um, 
And I think as the first responder, you've got to orientate yourself uh, towards, I'm now dealing with a person that is not even going to take care of himself. Um, so I've so therefore got to What can you even do to somebody or say to somebody like that, right? Because they don't care. It's like exactly. they're threatening them with jail or threatening them with harm or something. Uh, they don't, they don't uh, care. It's, it's, it's a meaningless thing, which, which comes, and, and unfortunately that does come back to the, the, the discussion of gun, gun control. I mean, there was that, that story not so long ago about the guy in the church in Texas, mm-hmm. um, which was, in my view, a very positive uh, discussion about firearms, actually, because it, it proved that what can you do? Well, that guy knew what to do, you know, um, and he was prepared adequately, and and he he was he was the hero of the day. Right. Um, we've we've got over a million illegal firearms, the estimate, uh, uh, circulating out there. You know, there's not enough roadblocks and police raids and firearm amnesties where you can hand in your illegal firearm. There's there's not enough in ten years that's going to make even a scratch uh, on on that. Um, but to go along with that, there's just as many people that have come from broken homes, people that have come from, uh, and, and uh, I saw related to your, your discussion in the beginning about, about the illegal immigrants, because um, we have a massive problem with that in this country as well. Uh, and and I'm not saying all of those people are bad. There's some really good people that are just they're coming from a much worse circumstance um, to what they perceive as potentially a better circumstance. Sure. But but with that, there's a bad element, and there's an untraceable element as well. Um, there's an element that brings a new criminal culture that that is different to our criminal culture. There's new learnings, there's new methods, there's new modus operandi that comes with that group as well. And uh, uh, any of us that are, are, are dealing with law enforcement or security, we need to learn to start uh, to, to adapt and say, what I've been doing, if, if I'm a, a, a paramedic for the last 10 years, or I'm a firefighter, or I'm a, a beat cop, the stuff that I've been doing has to change. Um, because the threat is changing. You know, I, I'm now dealing with a person that's, that's gotten to a point where it, 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 it should go so against the human grain. It goes against the grain as a mammal to take the life of, 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 a, of an offspring, of a child. You know, like... It, yeah, absolutely. Um, it does. It, it runs counter to everything that we, we, we cherish. And, and, you know, and we want you know, life to go on and, and the population to go on. And we want our children to grow up and be successful and more successful than we are. And to have someone not even think about that or worse yet, think about it and not care before pulling that trigger just is it's, it, that's why I, to me, a lot of it comes back to mental illness and just, they're just not right in the head. Now, what caused that? I absolutely agree with you, Jason, that you've got problems in the family structure, you know, 50 years ago, it was the dad went to work, the mom stayed home and raised the kids. And when the father came home, he was done with work and they spent, you know, the evening together, maybe, you know, listen to radio, watch TV, go out, play, whatever. But it's not like that anymore. There are tons of broken homes. Um, the, the number of broken homes and in, in, in the minority population is, is that much worse, which is why I think, again, there's a lot yeah. more violence in certain segments of the population. 
And there are really no, no solutions that anybody is willing to talk about because the solutions that are potentially viable are considered toxic in a political sense, right? Like, like look at what they've done to churches over COVID, right? They've shut down all the churches. Well, the United States was founded on Judeo-Christian Christian principles, right? They, we, mm. our ancestors, they fled England because for religious persecution, they came to this country right. for that reason, primarily, right? It was the taxation without representation and it was religious freedom. Mm. And so mm. when we, we haven't had now people being able to go to church, they haven't been able to worship. They've been demonized. There was just a pastor in Cal in uh, Canada uh, not even the United States and Canada a couple of weeks ago that they threw him in jail because he tried, he held a, a mass for his, for his congregation because people were asking him, look, you know, we want to come, we want to be together. We want to worship. We want to pray together. We want to support each other. You know, this is, this is a, a really good support system, but unfortunately between the scandals in the Catholic church, right. With all the, the problems with the priests and, and abuse of children, I think a lot of people and myself included, because I was raised a Catholic have lost a measure of faith in that institution, because when mm. they're sweeping it under the rug, literally taking a priest from a problem area and just saying, okay, everybody shut up. We're going to take him. We're going to go put him somewhere else where they don't know who he is. And they, mm. they just, they mask the problem. All mm. of these things, I think they compound, right? You've got, so you have mm. a lot of things and then you throw COVID on top of everything else. And, uh, and all the financial stresses, like, oh, yeah, 13 weeks to stop the spread. Well, hello, that was a year ago plus. Yeah. Okay. And here we yeah. still are dealing with it. And so I don't know. It's, it's just, you know, we had to address that tragedy. This is something that, you know, we could probably take the rest of the show and talk about because our hearts and prayers, they, they hurt for these people, right? I mean, our hearts, my, my heart hurts for these, these families with these kids, you know, how old, Absolutely. I don't know how old they are, right? But four, five, six, seven, eight, 10, 12, 15, 20, doesn't matter, right? My kid's going to be my yeah. kids when I'm 80 and they're, you know, 50. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I'm sure there's, there's, to me, there's no more greater conceivable hell than a, a parent losing their child. Agreed. I, you know, it goes but, against you know, the natural order. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh, you, you know, I, I think I think on that level, and, and it is a, a COVID discussion as well. And that's really this this more it doesn't just speak to. I was chatting about first responders and whatnot earlier, but just to everybody out there, is that we've all got to find new mechanisms. You know, to so so yeah, you got that comfort, say going to mass or going to synagogue or, or whatever it is you went to, and you can't do that. How, how am I going to change and how am I going to adapt so I can still complete those, those pieces of my life um, and, and, and stay a stable person in the midst of uh, a lot of, a, a lot of uh, job loss and um, stress, uh, stress, stress, stress. And, and then just to add, there's also there's a, a, there's an element of vicarious trauma as well. Um, you, you know, just by watching, I'm I'm so far removed from from, from you, and and when you when you just you said to me seven kids, I, like I actually I just took a moment because it it uh, I'm affected by that, and I'm I'm on the, another part of I'm sitting across the globe, so to to any uh, any person sitting in the states watching that who's so much closer, on top of that you've got. Maybe you've got a business that's failing. Uh, you know, I've uh, I, 
our business serves a lot of people in the hospitality industry. We do security for hotels, restaurants, that kind of thing. I mean, those people have just been absolutely hammered, you know, and, and they, they often have large staff bases and often very, very caring people. So they, they love their staff. And it's been devastating to, to have to let people go and to, to watch businesses that have been built for years and years crumble around them. Then on top of that, you've got, you've got opportunists, you've got crime. Uh, and then on top of that, on one more layer, we've got this extraordinary random or seemingly random act of violence. Uh, and I'm not sure how random it is. Um, you know, if you, read, if you read Gavin De Becker's book, The Gift of Fear, he, he talks about the fact that there are, there's, there's little warning signs along the way. You know, and um, and I wonder what what people around that person were perhaps seeing. Um, had, like, had he, he slowly did say become... yesterday that I guess somebody in his family had seen him recently, like quote playing with a gun. Well, what does that mean? Like, if you if you have firearms, I, I deal with firearms. You deal with firearms. We don't play with our guns. We clean yes. them. We take yes. care of them. We secure yeah. them. <laughs> That's, That's about right. it, you know, and use yeah. them, God forbid, if we ever have to and practice with mm. them, but we don't play yes. with them, you know? So, so yeah, I think warning signs that like you said. Bad word. I, I mean, unless, they, I, unless it's just a bad, a bad word and what they're referring to is handling a firearm. But that's, that's not a, handling a firearm is not a predicator of violence, you know, but, but uh, previous uh, suicidal thoughts or um, people becoming uh, a little bit, they will start to withdraw from the families a little bit because, uh, you know, there are those signs that, that do start to take place and people start, uh, perhaps there's, there's a substance abuse issue, uh, perhaps it's, it's websites that that person's reading. There are, and, 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 it, and this does come down to situational awareness actually because Am I observing what's happening to the people around me? What's happening to my family? What's happening to um, my work colleague? This, this was a happy, jolly guy. He's become subdue, subdued. He's become morose. Um, he's become terribly fatalistic. And I start to, I, I don't believe that, that that guy woke up one day, poured himself a corner, uh, you know, a bowl of cornflakes and decided I'm going to a shopping center to do right. what he did. I just don't, I don't believe that. And, and I think if you're going to talk about what could be done about it, that it, it starts, it's, it starts there. It starts with, and, and you know, I, I have that discussion with, with my officers, you know, we've, we, we've got a phenomenon um, in South Africa. I don't know whether this happens in the States where we've had a lot of policemen, um, police suicides. Yes, that happens worldwide, but, they, they, they take out their family as well. So um, sort of family aside. Um, and um, the, the point is, is that, uh, and that's actually happened to me with one of, one of my officers, actually, which was an, an utterly devastating. I'm sure it didn't do anything good for my PTSD. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's an utterly devastating thing to, to have to deal with on, on a direct basis. But, but here's the question. As, as that guy's manager, as his wife, as his friend, as his colleague, as his brother, were there not perhaps signs and um, interventions that needed to take place 
in that space. And, and that is where I think, uh, and, and I, I talk to my officers about that. And I say, okay, you, you finished your shift. You're coming, you're coming back to the office. You're handing over to, to day shift. Look at that guy. How's he looking today? Is he looking a little bit different? Um, did he have a fight with his wife last night? And, and he's saying he, he just can't cope. Has he got massive financial burdens that, um, that he, he feels he's just not getting over and he doesn't see a way out of? Um, you know, because at some point that person's going to go into an emotional state where they, they simply feel there is no mechanism um, for them to, to, to get their way out of, out of that situation. And um, that situational awareness of the family member, the friend, the pastor, the uncle, the, the sports coach, the jiu-jitsu rolling buddy, the, the you know, who... Oh, it's whoever's uh, around. Like, Absolutely. We have to all yeah. be much more aware of what's going on. And, and that kind of, that's perfect about what I was going to say, because um, what, what something like this does is it should wake us all up uh, and, yeah. and it, it should say, okay, it, it should allow us to, to sort of tailor and focus on, you know, how can I take what happened and make me better at noticing things, right? Making me a little bit more hyper aware of our surroundings, of the people, the places, the objects around us, right? Uh, and it also, I think, it's really important that we ask ourselves those what if questions too, right? Well, what if that person's having a bad day today? What would, what would I do if they were all of a sudden, you know, going to snap or, you know, if there was a problem? Because I bet none of the people that were killed in that grocery store yesterday thought about, boy, I hope nobody comes in and starts shooting me when I'm going shopping today for food. Yeah. Right. Nobody, yeah, nobody yeah. thinks about that. Now, most people don't. Some people do. I do. You do. Yeah. Probably some other people do. Right. Because we, we've been trained to say, well, you know what? I'm in a public space. I'm out of my element. Yes. I've been to the store a hundred times in the last 10 years, but still today could be the day. Right. Mm. But when, when we get into these routines and our comfort zones are, they become habitual, <clears throat> our, our guard drops, and we have to not let that guard drop. And so this is, I mean, it's really weird what, what I'm about to tell you, got, you guys that are listening, but um, I mentioned this to Jason before the show, but last night I was teaching my, my regular martial arts classes and I'm driving home and my wife called me to say, hey, I'm, I'm at the store, I'm getting ready to check out, it's late, it's dark, can you swing by the store and just you know walk me out to the car with the groceries, help me pack the car and then, you know, you know, we'll go home and unpack them. I said, yeah, absolutely. And this was before this, we even knew this had happened. In fact, it was before this, this tragedy happened yesterday. And so I did that, you know, and of course I did that uh, because I wasn't going to say, no, honey, I'm not too busy to, to ensure your safety. You know, she's concerned because it's late and there's not a lot of people around. Mm -hmm. And that's what mm -hmm. you do because you can never yeah. be too safe and you are not being paranoid by waiting uh, and wanting to feel safer and more secure in today's uncertain and, you know, sometimes violent and chaotic world that we live mm -hmm. in. And, you know, and I said in my opening, you know, it, it can get worse. It's probably going to get worse, especially when you have mm -hmm. unchecked um, people flooding into a country, when you have the focus on the wrong things, because 
the focus shouldn't be on how do we keep the guns away from people? It should be no. How do we address the problems that are causing the people that are going to cause violence no matter what, whether it's a gun or a knife or they drive a car into a crowd? Because we've seen mm-hmm. that happen before. It happened in, mm-hmm. in England a couple of years ago. Yep. And it happens all that it happens, unfortunately. People are going to do what they need to to get the demon out of them. And we don't know what causes that because every single person is different. It could just be that one day that one person says the wrong thing to them and they snap mm-hmm. and they just, they decide that, you know what, that's it. Today's the day. And I am just, I don't even care. And when I'm done doing what I want to do, I'm going to bite a bullet myself and you guys can clean up the mess without me. Cause I don't care. We don't mm-hmm. know what goes through people's minds. And so that's, that's a, it's a freaky thing, but, it, but the awareness part of it, Jason, you and I, we can't stress that enough to people is to pay Mm -hmm. attention. Don't be Mm -hmm. distracted. We all get distracted by so many things in our lives, but we've got to pay attention to things, even especially the little things. Like you said, subtle changes in behavior. Somebody you see all the time, all of a sudden they're acting a little different. You know why? Hey, is everything all right there, bud? What's going on? You know, ask, be concerned. Mm -hmm. That could be the one thing that deescalates it that day for that person. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe all that guy needs is a bit of care, actually, and humanity. Um, but, but I mean, here's the thing, and, and, and it comes down to, to your wife, uh, you know, going to the checkout, is that people, people get on with their lives, and you, you try and do good, and you have relationships with people, and there's, there's one assumption that, that people need to overcome. You know, so I'm, I'm going to the checkout and I'm going to go get my groceries and I'm, I'm assuming nothing's going to happen to me. But, but, the, but the, 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 the terrible part of that assumption is that life is fair and um, that good things therefore happen to good people. And the truth is, is that if you, what you watch on the TV, well, well, good things don't always happen to good people. And somewhere in our makeup, we were, we were taught this. I was certainly taught that by my parents. Um, uh, no, uh, you know, I remember having squabbles with my brother. That's not fair. This is not fair. And and actually, the truth is, and and, and it must be a, a. I think it's a difficult thing to break to your 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 children that life is not fair, and that actually bad things happen to good people. And I could go to the the, the checkout today, and something bad could happen to me. Um, but uh, the only difference is I just don't want that to infringe on my quality of life. Right. So, so uh, therefore, I'm going to start to to build a catalog of things that that um, will enable me to 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 continue living the life I'm living. While at the back of my head, I've got that assumption: bad things can happen to good people. You know, psychologists call it the 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 um, the just world hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And they say, and and it's one of the most difficult thing for for trauma survivors to 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 get their heads around, is that, uh, you know, but but this is not fair. What happened to me? You know, it, I went to the checkout. The next minute, there was a gun in my face. I didn't deserve. The, I didn't deserve this. Yes, I agree. You you didn't deserve it. But but somewhere out there today in South Africa, in the United States, in Somewhere in the UK, uh, somewhere, something bad, somebody's going to be in a car accident, somebody's going to get robbed, uh, somebody's going to have a home invasion, somebody's going to wake up to, to find their TV missing. And, and there's that acclimatization that, 
uh, of, uh, well, there's this other horrid reality that, that we try and keep out of our lives, um, sometimes with a, a veneer of denial, perhaps, you know, because we don't want to co cope. And, and so somebody would have said to you, you know, like, Pete, what are you talking about? You went, like, your wife's paranoid. Why, you know, like, there's so many better things you could have done. Why, like, like why, why go and do that? But the difference is, is that you've, you, 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 you're not, that's not part of your mentality. And um, by doing what you did, you get a, you get a degree of comfort. You got to spend so much, uh, a little bit more time with your, your significant other. And I would rather reframe it like that than saying, I'm paranoid, you know. Because right. um, you're not. People aren't, I mean, they, you can be paranoid where every second of every day you're thinking, oh my God, something's happening, somebody's out to get me, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not that at all. It's, it's being aware and being prepared and asking right. yourself, like I said a little bit ago, those what if questions. Well, what if something happened to me when I'm out to dinner tomorrow? What if, you know, somebody comes into the store when I'm there? What if somebody broke into my house tonight? You should ask yourself those questions before you need the answers. Because when you need the answers, if you never thought about them, you're screwed yeah. because you don't know the answer. But at least if you've yeah. at least thought about it ahead of time, you've got some sort of answer that you can recall much more quickly. You know, and I'm sure you do this sort of training with your guys you know how you're going to react because you've mm. thought about it before. The problem comes in when you've never thought about it. I mean, there are situations with professional police officers in law enforcement, military, where they're faced with a situation that they've never been faced with and they've never thought of. And so now mm. they don't know how to react. Like, oh my God, what, what's the right thing to do? Well, the right thing should be that you need to react and end the threat because your partner's life is in danger. But if you never thought about that, you might be hesitant to pull the trigger. Be, until it's too yeah. late and the person's dead or killed or maimed or, or whatever it happens to be. So, so that's a, that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit okay. um, because I know we could talk about that part of this all night, but I do want to get to some yeah. of the things that uh, we, uh, we discussed earlier um, before coming on the show. And so I would just want to first, you know, for our audience, let, let our audience know what initiated you to enter the security industry. What got you involved in it? Okay, so uh, you, you mentioned in my intro that I've, I've, I've been in martial arts uh, all, all my life. Um, I, I, think, I think that started going to a, a children's party and seeing Game of Death and, uh, and, uh, with Bruce Lee. And I was like mesmerized by this guy. I, and, then my, and then my dad was a karate guy. So, oh, okay. so it, it, yeah, um, I was quite lucky because uh, so I had a great role model in that respect. Um, so and so, I, I I grew up into that world, and it, uh, and um, as as happens, you you, you at some point you transition from being a participant in the class to you know the guy says, oh, why don't you go and take the kids and you can teach them quarter number one or go and teach them the front kick and and that and then that that kind of became te uh, teaching and and I started my own, I had a taekwondo school. Nice. And um, that was cool. So, so I, I I came home one day and I, I walked into uh, a, a pretty violent armed robbery, um, an extremely violent armed robbery. And um, it, it it was a really horrific event for the other people uh, on the property. 
Um, but it was a life-changing event for me because it made me question what I was doing and where I was going in life. Um, you know, we, when, you're, when you're lying on your stomach and somebody's taken your second-degree black belt and tied your hands behind your back with it and they're tapping your foot with a machete, you have some time to think. Wow, yeah. So, so, so what, what happened? Was, first thing, uh, so I, I, that, that led me to the world of, of firearms because I realized, okay, I, I was missing a whole aspect of, of the self-defense world. You know, it wasn't going to be resolved with, uh, with a great flying kick, um, as, as much fun as that was. Um, and and I, I started to explore other parts of the martial arts world. And uh, it also so happened that I was a pretty lousy entrepreneur. So, uh, you know, people say to you, oh, you're a great instructor. Yeah, but, but being an instructor and having martial arts school is not the same thing. There's a business aspect to running a martial arts school as well. Absolutely. You need to know to market yourself. And I was, I didn't have those tools. Um, and I, I realized that out of that incident, I wanted to make people safer and I didn't feel like martial arts was the right mechanism for it. So I, I enrolled in a class at a college, um, a security management class, and I started to learn the, the basics of security. And it so happened that my, my lecturer was, he was looking for a guy that could work for him. And uh, I started to train bank guards. And then uh, I spent a lot of time working casinos with casino guards. I can tell you, uh, there's, there's nothing good that comes from that world. If you think, if you think you're going to go there and change your life and make it better, you're not. Um, there's a reason why casino owners are rich. Yes. Um, and <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't make that money from losing money. I can promise you that. So I didn't see very good things there. So that was, that was my entry into the corporate security world. And I was quite dissatisfied because, uh, you know, I, this was now about making clients happy and writing reports. And it, 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 it wasn't right for me. And eventually, um, through a series of, of events, I was employed as a tactical officer in a company that dealt with residential security and, and a very, very interesting project um, where they were using private security to do public space policing. So, you know, I, I read a report yesterday, and it's probably out of date now, that, that uh, our ratio of security officers to policemen is probably about five to one in South Africa. So and on a, on a world, worldwide level, we are very, very under-policed in, in South Africa, and, and we have an enormous crime problem. We have enormous poverty issues. We have... Um, the ultra rich living next right on the doorstep of the ultra poor uh, that that makes for that doesn't make for a good uh, a mix of things it makes for angry disenfranchised people it makes for and we have the whole uh, history of apartheid which we have we haven't shared that um, and so uh, I, I became uh, I started to work in the, in this uh, this um, business where we were patrolling the streets just like a beat cop would uh, and I was I was really lucky because the guys I was working with were mostly retired soldiers. So we're talking about guys that had fought in places like Sierra Leone, Central Africa Republic, Iraq, like some of the some of the ugliest wars in on the continent. And they were coming to the end of their careers, hitting their fifties at that point, and were willing to impart knowledge. So I I got to. I got to work and learn from these 
utterly fantastic people. That's um, awesome. And then, and then later on, become their managers. And ten years later, I became the MD of that company. Um, so that's a that's and, a really interesting point because, you know, we're talking about the safety and security that people have at home, right? And or, whether you're at the supermarket, whether you wherever you are, so yeah. that was one of the things that I wanted to 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 get your take on, which is. You know, you have the safety of the individual, right? Your personal safety, your personal security, which, as you just said, you know, mm. martial arts may not cut it all the time when you're staring down a battle of a gun. You know, I don't care how good you yeah. are. You're not catching a bullet. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be That's faster it. than that, right? Yeah. Um, so explain to us or, or give me your take uh, for our listeners. The, the how, What do you feel like the relationship then is between, say, the individual, right, where you, you have, you're at home and you have your own sort of way of protecting yourself, but then you've also got, as you were talking about, you know, you were policing a community, right? So then uh-huh. you, have, you have this relationship that you've got to have some sort of, you know, symbiotic, you know, complementary relationship between your individual safety and security and the safety and security of the environment and the community in which you live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I suppose I'm lucky. I've got, my wife is an ecologist and, and we, we have that. We have discussions about what she does quite often. And I've, I've started to really view security as, as an ecosystem. So if, if I'm the insect, it's not about me just living in my little hole and feeding my little grubs. Right. I've got to go out there in, into that world and I've got to interact with things that might eat me, uh, things, people that might stand on me, uh, and, and, and whatever the case is. And, and that, that's the truth as we, we can expand that metaphor out we, we, we live in a, an ecosystem and we can, we can choose to either be a victim to that ecosystem or we can choose to, to either take control of it or perhaps you can't take control of it. I can choose to be an influencer in that ecosystem. And, and what was phenomenal about that particular initiative, um, and they had some really serious issues. They had suburbs which were having, say, 20 contact crimes a month. You know, a contact crime is a crime where, for, for people that don't know, it's a crime where a criminal is coming into physical contact with the victim. So somebody's being held at gunpoint or, you know, whatever the case, whatever the case may be. And it was the community coming together and saying, we've had enough. We're going to club our resources together. And we, we're going to acknowledge that crime doesn't start, a crime doesn't start in a home. A crime starts outside the home and it graduates into the home. So perhaps if we intercept the crime there, we can, we don't have to live through the terror because it's all that. very well. I love that. That's good. You know, it's all very well and good saying, Oh, we chased the bad guy. We caught him. We arrested him. Fantastic. But in the meantime, a family was put through, uh, through some type of terror. And it might not have been a, a, a it, it might've just been that you woke up and your TV was gone, but you're still going to experience some sense of personal violation that somebody came into your safe, your, your sanctuary and violated that sanctuary, you know? Um, and so if we're going to stop that, the, 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 the idea was we, if that needs to take place within the, within the public space. And so that particular community said, okay, we're going we're gonna to contract, we're going to create an a, um, initiative where we're going to have different parties involved and we're going to contract people to try and do that, that public space work. Okay, all very, very well and good. 
what if you're in a community that doesn't have the, the money for that? Well, that doesn't mean you, you can't do the same thing. Uh, there are neighborhood watches there, there, that you can get involved with. In, in South Africa, in our townships, um, where people, people are basically living in, in tin shacks, um, maybe they're earning two, two and a half thousand rand a month, uh, which in dollar terms is, it's, you know, you can, you can divide that by 15 maybe or so. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> our currency is not very strong. Um, but in spite of that, even those people are able, to, uh, they're put together committees. They don't have cars. So you'll get, you'll get a group of 10 guys walking the street, you know, and making sure that their little, their little section of that community is safe because they've understood that if they can make that public space safe, um, that is where, where deterrence actually starts to take place. It doesn't take place with my dog or my wall or my alarm. It takes place outside. And I can't control what happens outside, but I can certainly influence it. And the, how do I influence it? I get, I, get, I get involved with my community and I get to know my neighbor. Um, and I get to know his sounds because I, I, know, I know that Joe comes home at a certain time and his front door sounds like that. And sometimes he'll have an argument with his wife. But tonight I heard something that didn't sound like Joe, Joe shouting. I heard a voice I'd never heard of before. Or uh, the summing sounds different. I start to interact with my community. And by That's the so way, this. That's so important because you, you have all these people that you live around. And hopefully you get along with them. You know, we, yeah. we can't. Unfortunately, we can't pick our neighbors, right? I'm lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky. I have a fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because I have a fantastic group of neighbors that, that live nearby right. and we hang out constantly all the time. And we've had discussions like this, like, okay, we look out for each other. If a car goes down the street slowly, all of a sudden there's a group text. Hey, you That's see that it. car that went by? Did you ever see that car before? Like we look out for each other. There's security cameras on my house, a couple of my other neighbors' houses, you know, we watch out mm. for each other. And that's so important because it makes everybody feel a little bit more safe. Right. But it doesn't give you the luxury of being complacent. It just knows that, Hey, you know what? He's got my back. She's got my back. If there's a problem, I know that I, that people are there to help me. Now in, in South Africa, you, you had mentioned um, to me that home invasions are, are a prevalent threat. And you're just talking about, you know, crime is, you know, there's a lot of poor people there. So from, you know, I think a lot of people in the United States and as well as other parts of the world for that matter are also concerned <clears throat> that, you know, their home can be invaded, right? Somebody comes in, you yeah. know, be desperate times, people get desperate, you know, where they say anarchy is only, you know, nine meals away, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you're hungry and you're thirsty, and you don't have any money, you, you know, you're going to do whatever you got to do to put food in your kids' mouths. And people are going to do things that they may normally not do. Now, that's, that's one side of it, but then you've also got the criminal element. So what can, what, what have you learned from your dealings with people in your career and how to sort of mitigate that? Is it, is it forming mm -hmm. things like watch groups? Is it some other things? What could you share with us there? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, look, I, I, I think again, um, people shouldn't make the, the assumption that, that the, 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 the guy that's going to come into your house while you've got your feet up on the counter watching Netflix is, is a desperate and starving person. Um, in my experience, a lot of home invasions are so, so definitely I've, I've experienced, you know, people that will say come in two o'clock in the morning, steal your bicycle out of your garage. 
there's there's a difference between that kind of person and a person who's made a conscious decision. I'm going to take a weapon. I'm going to go into a house. This is this is a different kind of human being, um, and he's crossed certain mental boundaries that the the cat burglar has not crossed, and and may and, and that guy perhaps doesn't want. So that's the first thing to uh, to to take knowledge is that we're dealing with a different kind of beast. The second thing is that that crime, again, it starts from the public space uh, in, in one of two ways. Either that guy's going to have done some kind of reconnaissance. He's Perhaps he's driven past earlier in the day and he's, he's thought, yeah, okay, uh, that the, that's the house. Um, they've got a side door there covered by some bushes. No one's, no one's going to see me when I slip past there. I can park my, I can park my van by that tree. So he, he might have done some kind of reconnaissance and some kind of decision uh, there might have been. Or you might, you also, there can be opportunistic uh, type of home invasion. So, so a typical South African one that I've, I've dealt with is ladies outside, she's in the yard, she's hanging washing on the line, and two guys jump over the wall and they take her inside. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that, 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 that can happen. So... Again, I'm going to start with the, the public space. And yes, I do believe in, in, in the neighborhood watch model um, because if I can disrupt that, the, 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 the guy doing the reconnaissance and I can, you know, like, oh, already there's a lady that drove past, a little lady with a curly hair. She drove past, she looked at that van, she wrote down his number plate. You've already, you've already done more than an armed police officer can ever do because I've already put a psychological barrier in that guy's head just by, just by that action. And, and, and nobody, nobody had to pull a trigger. You know, it was, it was that simple. Um, so that, that's, that's a good place to start. But, but let's assume we – and also with the opportunists, if I can put pressure on the street – and I can take that street back. This now, my, I no longer think of my house as defended space. I start to think of my street as the defended space. And the, the group text thing can work. Uh, you know, by the way, John, there's, uh, there's, like, there's, a, there's a strange guy standing outside your letterbox. And five of us come outside. He's going he's gonna to pretty quickly, nothing actually had to take place. Yeah. In fact, I can just have a chat to my neighbors. And this guy's starting to look at, oh, these people are all going to, uh, I'm already creating that. And now we might want to challenge him as well. That's, but let's assume we weren't able to, to, to intercept, intercept that, uh, that, that person. Criminologists tell us that, that, that criminals make a decision based on whether, whether they feel they can get away with. Am I going to be able to execute this? Correctly, and the and I'm going to make that decision based on on whether there's there's a detection mechanism, um, whether there's a, det a deterrent, or some mechanism of deterrence, and then something that defends my home. If we take those three Ds, so this house it's got no cameras, it's got no lighting, so there's there's nothing to to detect detect me ent entering. Um, and and uh, they've they've done some beautiful landscape gardening. So when they look out their window, they can't even see down their yard. It's it's lovely. Mm -hmm. So I've got places to to hop to. Um, okay, so they they're not going to detect me, and and they don't have a dog, um, and this community doesn't seem really switched on. So I'm not deterred by it. 
Now I've got physical barriers that, that I'm going to deal with. And, and worldwide, I've looked at stats from South Africa, Australia, the UK, and the States. The number one form of entry is, is through a doorway. Um, and, and, and so we, we now need to start to look at, at, at some kind of at, at physically hardening those entry spaces and, and not making the mistake of thinking it's going to be the front door. You, you know, if, if I'm going to have a 9 out of 10 front door, I need a 9 out of 10 back door as well. And I need a 9 out of 10 patio door. Um, so we start to do some physical hardening because a, a lot of the, the, the trauma that, that comes out of a home invasion is I just didn't see it coming. You know, I was, I was sitting there, I was watching, whatever, and suddenly there was this guy appeared in the doorway and there's that utter shock and that state of disbelief. And because I hadn't gone back to Pete's advice and played the what if game last week, what if somebody forces this door open? What if a guy comes down this garden path? Um, and I didn't have a plan. Uh, you know, they say it's better to pre-live rather than relive. So that's good. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a, um, I don't have a burglary plan. I don't have. What happens if I'm dealing with a, an armed home invasion? How, what, how's my family going to react? What happens if? Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a hurricane zone and we're going to have to evacuate. How am I going to evacuate? Or, you know, I, I, I just look at what I see in the States, tornadoes and hurricanes, right? And wildfires. Or, <laughs> what, what, or, or, or the, the, the wildfires on the West Coast. And I'm going to have to – and by the way, we have every winter, because I, I live in a rural place, we have wildfires too. Mm. And, and it, it, it's amazing between the neighbors that burn fire breaks – um, and they've got uh, they've got a water tender. They've got some fire beaters. They've got all that stuff packed away and ready for the winter season. And then there's the guy who just he doesn't give a damn. Well, that's the same guy that's gonna that's gonna say, "Why does crime happen to me? I didn't deserve it." Suddenly, this guy was 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 uh, in in my in my room, and the country's going to hell. You know. Um, no, well, no. Victims actually, all say the same thing too, right? I mean, they all say, you know, I never thought it would happen to me. Yeah, and, and it's a yeah. true of just about any crime to anybody, ever, right? I mean, it's like I can't exactly. believe my house was robbed. I can't believe I was beaten. I yeah. can't believe I was whatever. I never thought it would happen to me. Well, and and I what I tell people is, look, I'm here to tell you that not only can it happen to you, you have to have the mentality that it will happen to you because right. when you make that little switch from ah, it could happen to it will happen. That's a huge difference in your mind and how you think about things. And I, I exactly. tell people that all the time. You've got to think about it that way. Even if it never happens, who cares? You have to make decisions based on it as almost an inevitability, right? That's because it. that's going to force that's you to it. think differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Louis Pasteur said fortune favors the prepared, you know, um, and and – and, and that's, that's the truth, you know. So, so now uh, I have really uncomfortable discussions with people and they're horrified by, by the things I say. You know, I say to them, you know, have you ever had a discussion with your kids that, that a crime could happen in your home? You're like, you're affecting my child's childhood. Uh, you, you traumatize him. How can I have this discussion? Uh, no, no, no. Actually, I've had those discussions with my kids. When I, when I got my, when I, when I, 
bought my first firearm. We sat down around the dinner table and I put the firearm on the table and I, I didn't make, I didn't hide this thing away. Yeah. I said, look, here's this thing. It can see how easy it was to pull the trigger. It can, that's how easy it is to take. And we started to have a discussion. So they knew about what firearms were about. And, and it's very important to educate them because then they're not afraid and they're not, they don't, they're not, uh, uneducated right they, they, they're afraid yeah. because people are afraid of things they don't understand that's kind of what i was trying to or, say right or or, or or maybe they're not afraid maybe they're curious and they're just waiting for that time that you turn your back and i really want to touch this thing mm. and dad won't let me so let me touch it right. and and they're they're horrible stories that, that come out of that so and so the same thing goes goes for crime um have you had that discussion that something bad could happen and what mechanisms have you put into place because uh, you, you know an ex-partner of mine a very good friend he was in a situation where he was in a it was it was uh, i think seven or eight in the evening he had gone to buy some flowers in a supermarket and uh, because he's a really sussed guy and he's worked the security world a long time he looked around and he just saw the signs and he realized oh there's that guy there's that guy there's uh, and he saw it was coming. They were going to rob the store. And it so happened that there were like six or eight guys. So you're not going to take these guys on. So he immediately took his firearm and he, he hid it under a, a counter because a firearm is something the criminals want. And he went down and, and he felt the guy frisk him and take his cell phone and, and whatnot. And just to the side of him, there was a woman with two kids and they were standing up and they were, they were jittery and it was making, it was making the bad guy really jittery because she couldn't, she couldn't control her two kids. And, you know, mom, why is that guy holding a gun? Why does he look so angry? Why? And so you're, you're escalating the situation. And imagine if she had a word that she could say uh, that she'd already said to the kids, kids, if ever I say this word, all I want you to do is sit down and I'm going to put my arms around you and we're going to keep quiet. How much better that situation would have been for her and how it would have de-escalated that, that, that situation in terms of the, the, the guy. The home invader is also nervous. He's, he's nervous of the fact maybe he's, maybe he's misjudged it and he's, he's walked into the house and that guy is the chairman of the NRA. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe the neighbor's going to spot him. Maybe he's going to get arrested. Maybe he's going to get killed. Maybe he's going to get maimed by the dog. I don't know what's going to happen to him. So he's nervous. His fight or flight system is already triggered. Um, and his ability to make human decisions is diminished. That, that neocortex, that part of the brain that, that helps us make uh, hu very human decisions is, is at that time, perhaps not operating. The amygdala is maybe running the show and all he needs is a jumpy child um, and, and a guy and his fingers are already on the trigger. And, and, you know, the startle flinch response is, <gasps> yeah. And, and that, and things, things might not. So what mechanisms have I got to start to control this person? I can't, I, he's already pointing the gun at me. I'm not going to be able to get my firearm out. I'm, I'm not going to be able to um, do my best ninjutsu move because my kids are with me and I've, I, I've got a realistic understanding of things. 
So how am I going to control this guy? Well, maybe I need to put him in a safe space and make him feel that he's not threatened and start to facilitate this thing. So number one, violence is, is less of an option. And I can get him out of my space as quickly as possible. Okay. Yep. What do you want? And so I start to ask him questions. What, what can I do for you? No, no, I want, I want the safe. Okay, well, uh, come with me. Don't worry, the family, you, you know, and we start to work. We start to work on that basis. Um, well, that's good advice and, because people, they, they, there are small yet potentially huge things that they can do, especially where it comes to children or especially when it comes to situations that are uh, dicey. <laughs> to say the least, yeah. right? Where there, there's a high degree of stress, where as you you know you, you're saying there, Jason, you know that these people that are criminals, they already have that heightened uh, fear that potentially things can go wrong, and they don't want things to go wrong, so they don't want to get caught, and so they're going to you know do anything they can to not be caught, and God help you if you're in their way, because they're going to exactly. make sure that you are not in their way if at all possible if you stand between them you know, uh, you know, going to jail or being free. And so mm. that I, I really like that advice, uh, you know, because there are small things that we can do to educate our children uh, and our families and our spouses, you know, coworkers, friends, neighbors, everybody in our space and yeah. our immediate uh, sort of, you know, cluster of, of, of people that we deal with on a, on a regular basis to make it so that we can all become safer through those different ways of, you know, thinking about what could happen. And if something does bad happen, how can we reduce the impact on us? How can we get out of that situation safely? And you know what? Things can be replaced. People cannot. And at the end of the yeah. day, we have to remember that. Okay, give me exactly. your wallet, give me your Rolex, give me your car, yeah. whatever, man. Yeah. Don't worry about it. As long as you, your wife, your spouse, your kids, you all get to go home safely Okay, you can you can do that. You can you can be alive and you can not be a victim because we don't want anybody mm. to be a victim. And unfortunately, sometimes mm. as we started the show off talking about the you know the victims at the at the shooting at the supermarket, sometimes you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and there really is nothing you can do about it. You know, those kids, yeah. there was nothing those kids could have done. Somebody walks in and just starts shooting them. I mean, who could really exactly. do anything about that? So there are unfortunately going to be things and times where there really isn't anything we can do, but that doesn't mean you have to go about the rest of your life thinking, well, I have no control over it. It's just going to be a random thing that's going to happen to me. You know, well, so could a, a meteor come down and come right through my house right now and crush me where I sit right now. Am I going to yeah. worry about it? No. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there's, 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 there's just, there's, if they're going to happen, they're going to happen. You can't do anything about it. Uh, millions of people living on the San Andreas Fault right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. There's a lot of things and, and, that, are, are risky, but we weigh the risk versus, you know, living, right? We don't all live yeah. in a shell. We don't all, all, all stay cooped up in our homes and, and, and are more afraid about anything, right? I mean, your chance of dying in a car accident tomorrow, taking a, you know, when you're driving your car, you got a greater chance of dying from that than from COVID. But yet everybody's freaked out about COVID. I'm not, you know what, if I get it, I get it. Chances are, I'm not going to be dead because it's less than half a percent of people are going to exactly. die. And if you're younger and exactly. you're healthier and you don't have conditions, you know what I mean? So there's things that we have to weigh those, those risk factors. And unfortunately we are getting to the end of our show here and, you know, we could, we could talk for a while. I could tell Jay, yeah. right. Uh, but uh, 
just a couple a couple quick things. You know, if where would you where would you suggest somebody uh, go to begin if they say, okay, where's the best yeah. place for somebody to go to start if they want to really understand which risks are relevant to them in their lives? I mean, apart from yeah. really kind of looking where they are and where they go every day. Hmm. Such a difficult thing, because and, and, and I see you've you've done work in, in, in the cyberspace, so you'll you'll be acutely aware of this. There's so much information out there that isn't real. So mm-hmm. if if I'm going to start understanding risk in my life, uh, I need to go and find some really good information sources about where I live from that that aren't full of garbled opinion and myth. Um, so. It, it, and, and, and so I would, you know, that's also part of our ecosystem is the virtual part of our world. And so, so go and find some reliable source of information. What is the, what is the risk in my neighborhood and, and find a good, reliable, so it might be at your local police station. It might be, it might be somebody from your trauma ward. It might be, but, but find a good, a good source of, of information to start to understand what are the real risks in, in, in our life. I know, I know that we, we've got one of the highest murder rates in the world in South Africa, but I also know that 18,000 people will die on cars on South African roads this year, and there's a much higher risk of me being killed in a car accident than me being killed in a car carjacking. You know, there's one, 1% of carjackings are fatal in South Africa. That's not the same for, for, for vehicle accidents. So I start to, I start to create a, a body of knowledge that shows me what the risk is. And I find good, reliable sources, well-researched documents. There's some great books out there. There's, we're sitting on a great podcast where you can get, you can get um, some, some amazing, I was amazed. I listened to the, the, the CIA guy. Uh, that you oh. interviewed and it was yeah. like and, and, and was, oh there's a new thing for me i've been 20 years in the business and i've got something i've learned something new that i could i, I got some take home from from that interview there are great sources of of of, inter, uh, of information out there that i can start to build a body of knowledge of what risks are relevant to me and then i start to say well in terms of the resources that i've got in my life what can i do to start mitigating those risks Maybe I don't have, maybe I've got, the, I can't afford a firearm. I can't afford to go to, 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 to the local jiu-jitsu school, but, but uh, maybe I can start to do a, a one-mile jog every day. Uh, and that makes me a little bit physical fitter. You know, the road doesn't cost me a cent. And mm-hmm. so I start to get myself a little bit fitter. Um, and I know that's going to give me better cardiovascular strength. Well, there's a nice COVID intervention for me. And, and I start to take those risks and I, I, I want to address the ones which are, are most real and with the resources that I've got. And once I've, I've addressed them with those resources, then I need to take a step back and say, I've done it. And, okay, now, now I'm, not, I'm not only noticing, I've, I've picked up my, my situational awareness. I'm not only noticing strange people in the neighborhood. I've also noticed... Uh, the beautiful flower bed because my situational awareness is that much better. And I've listened to the chances. uh, I've listened to the kids giggling in the next room because my situational awareness is better. And it starts to, the security work I've done has started to enhance the the rest of the work in my life as well that I need to do. That's a great way to put it because it does. And that's what it should do, right? I mean, what we do should improve our life in every way possible. And the little things 
we absolutely have to step back and, and appreciate the the results that we achieve for ourselves when we do achieve something, right? Whether it's yeah. you know uh, achieving a physical goal or losing weight or or obtaining something or whatever it happens to be, right? I want to reward, uh, uh, you know, winning some award at work, whatever it is, you know, these things are are milestones. They are they might be little ones, they might be big ones, but take yeah. a take a minute to to recognize it. But then don't sit on your laurels, right? say, okay, what can I do next? What can I do to improve it and make my situation better? What else, you know, how can I improve to make my life better and the lives of those around me better and safer and more secure? And, and at the end of the day, if you don't have safety and security, what do you have, right? I mean, you need to exactly. be safe and you need to be healthy. Okay. Exactly. Everything else is yeah. sort of, is, is secondary, really. You know, you could have all the money in the world, but if you, if you have, don't have your health and money can't buy your health, what good is it, right? If it can't buy your safety, what good is it? So it's, it. it's very important that we, we put things in perspective because there are always people that are in worse off situations than we are. And it doesn't matter if, you know, I'm sitting here in Pennsylvania, United States, Jason's sitting there in, in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're, we're essentially half a world apart, but yet we both have the same sort of drive and desire to improve the safety and security of this entire planet and do that, as you say, one life at a time. As I say, you know, same thing, you know, one person at a time, you know, if you just change one person and you make that's them it. a better person, you know, then I can go to sleep at night knowing that I've, that I've done that. And that's one reason I love that's training it. people because you see yeah. that, that change, especially in kids, you know, so. Absolutely. Um, we um, mm. before I, do, I I wrap up because I knew we we're gonna crank through and and, and be talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna pull up uh, for those of you that are watching this on uh, YouTube. I'm gonna pull this up now. If you are not and you're just simply listening to the podcast, I want you to take a look. Oh, what did I do here? That looks good from my side. I, I did something. Oh, I am sharing it. Okay, you see your yeah screen yeah here? you are okay, yeah sorry. I can um, see it yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Jason's website, Security Advisor. That's V-I-S-E-R.net. Um, and it is a blog and he has all kinds of great information here. He talks about, we, we talked about initially about martial arts, uh, some information about him, some situational awareness guides. Okay. So if you guys are looking for more information, check out some of his situational guides. He's got five situational awareness exercises. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, survival mindset. I'm a big proponent of that. The warrior mindset is something I talk about all the time. I've got stuff on YouTube about that. So take some time, go through this and uh, you will definitely learn something, but you know, do something to improve your life, the lives of those around you, because we all live on this planet. We all want to be safe. We all want to be secure. We all want to enjoy life. And we want to yeah. do that in as stress-free a an existence as possible. Unfortunately, we can't get rid of stress but we can manage that. And part of managing that stress is reducing to as low a level as possible the risks that you face in your life. Okay, whether they're health risks, safety risks, security risks, financial risks, whatever those risks are. When you mm -hmm. reduce those risks, you reduce those stress levels, you can think more clearly and you end up being a happier person for it. And you know, and this That's life it. is, it should be enjoyed, right? I mean, you, you don't want to be miserable. Exactly. I mean, what good is that? Right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll be sure to put Jason's links uh, at the, um, in here, as I said, you know, his, his blog, his chat is a uh, uh, securityadvisor.net. You can find him on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram by looking up uh, the security advisor or uh, his name, Jason Mordecai, M-O-R-D-E-C-A-I. That's and it. Uh, so really appreciate you being here. You have any uh, last uh, 
thoughts, any last pearls of wisdom for our listeners uh, before I uh, let you go here? Yeah, I, I, well, Peter, I, I just I like what you said. You know, there's that Japanese concept of, of Kaizen, just continuous improvement. Just take one. I know big things are happening in the world. We've got COVID. We've got we've got we've got massacres. More are going to happen. More armed robberies are going to happen. More car accidents are going to happen. But also more laughter is going to happen. Um, more times of the family is going to happen. And just take uh, what small thing could I do today that's going to help facilitate that life? Excellent. That's, that's it. One, one step at a time. So really, thank you so much, Jason, for being here. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in again to Safety Talk. Uh, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, get the latest safety information, get all your past episodes. Jason was alluding to one uh, where an interviewed a gentleman from the CIA. We, we try to provide you with as much information as possible to keep you safe and secure both in the digital world and in the physical world. So watch that anytime. And until next time, as always, please stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.